0: It's uh, Exodus 21:33 through 22, 15. When a man opens a pit, or when a man digs a pit and does not cover it, and an ox or a donkey falls into it, the owner of the pit shall make restoration. He shall give money to its owner, and the dead beast shall be his. When one man's ox butts another's so that it dies, then... Sh- Then they shall sell the live ox and share its price, and the dead beast also they shall share. Or if it is known that the ox has been accustomed to gore in the past, and its owner has not kept it in, he shall repay ox for ox, and the dead beast shall be his. If a man steals an ox or a sheep and kills it or sells it, he shall repay 5 oxen for an ox and 4 sheep for a sheep. If a thief is found breaking in and is struck so that he dies, there shall be no blood guilt for him. But if the sun has risen on him, there shall there shall be blood guilt for him. He shall surely pay. If he has nothing, then he shall be sold for his theft. If the stolen beast is found alive in his possession, whether it is an ox or a donkey or a sheep, he shall pay double. If a man causes a field or vineyard to be grazed over, or lets his beast loose and it feeds in another man's field, he shall make restitution from the, from the best in his own field in his own vineyard. If fire breaks out and catches in thorns so that the stacked grain or the standing grain or the field is consumed, He who started the fire shall make full restitution. If a man gives to his neighbor money or goods to keep safe and it is stolen from the man's house, then if the thief is found, he shall pay double. If the thief is not found, the owner of the house shall come near to God to show whether or not he has put his hand to his neighbor's property. For every breach of trust, whether it is for an ox, for a donkey, for a sheep, for a cloak, or for any kind of lost thing, of which one says, this is it. The case of both parties shall come before God. The one whom God condemns shall pay double to his neighbor. If a man gives to his neighbor a donkey or an ox or a sheep or any beast to keep safe, and it dies or is injured or is driven away without anyone seeing it, an oath by the Lord shall be between them both to see whether or not he has put his hand to his neighbor's property. The owner shall accept the oath, and he shall not make restitution. But if it is stolen from him, he shall make restitution to its owner. If it is torn by beasts, let him bring it as evidence. He shall not make restitution for what has been torn. If a man borrows anything of his neighbor and is injured or dies, the owner not being with it, he shall make full restitution. If the owner was with it, he shall not make restitution. If it was hired, it came, it came for its hiring fee.
1: If you're new or newer to the church or maybe you're visiting, you know, we have a lot of misconceptions about church, and I think kind of the the old school thought was, well, if you have your, if you go to church, then you have your stuff together, or people that go to church should have their their act together and kind of have their life together. and 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 to be real honest with you, we're here today. We're we're here in worship because we don't have our lives together. See, I'm here because I'm a needy person, and I need the body of Christ. I need other brothers and sisters in christ to help me as they use their gifts and i use my gifts we help each other to to honor and obey the lord so um, if you're a needy then this is a good place for you to be uh, because you're in in good company but we are glad you're here we're in the book of exodus if you would turn in your bibles And, and and we say that i know chase was really wanting you to read your Bibles. We did our, our Bible uh, reading. We What we do every week is we read the teaching text typically for the day. And this is our teaching text. We've been walking through the book of Exodus verse by verse. And we've we've got through the really fun, awesome part, to be honest with you. And now we're at a part that's that's drier. It's a little more difficult to get through. But you know what? We're going to get through it. And we're going to take a, the next couple weeks. Uh, then we're going to start taking bigger chunks of the text to get through. But... Uh, we, we do expository preaching here, and we're going to walk through this text, Exodus chapter 21. And what's happened is God has brought the nation of Israel, if you know the story, God rescued the Israelites from Egypt using ten judgments or ten plagues, and he brought them through the Red Sea miraculously. Incredible event that took place as they come through the Red Sea. And, and what's happened since that time is he's... Bringing the nation to his land, and he's going to give them this promised land. But they've got—they're on a journey from the Red Sea in Egypt. Uh, they're on a journey to the promised land, and they've come up to the the mountain, Mount Sinai, and they take a break here. And they're going to be here about eleven months. And during this eleven-month period of time, God is going to give him his law. And he, we've already seen—we already studied—he gave them the Ten Commandments, those ten words. We've already studied through that, and now he's given them what we call the civil law in chapters 21 through 23. What he's done is he's taken the moral law and he's applied it to their lives. And last week we saw the fifth commandment and the sixth commandment apply. What's the fifth commandment? Anybody remember? Do you remember? Yeah, you've got to do your little motions there. Yeah, honor your father and mother is how we remember, yeah, right? Yeah, honor your father and mother. We saw that, that law applied. And also the sixth commandment. What's the sixth commandment? Yeah, don't murder, right? We saw that applied um, to their lives. And some of you may be asking, you know, we're, we're in the middle of this study of the law. This is Old Covenant. Why are we even doing this? What's the point? I mean, we're New Testament, New Covenant Christians. We're not under the law. We're not bound by the law. In fact, Jesus fulfilled the law, so why are we studying this? I mean, Jesus kept the law, and so we who are in Christ, the Bible says, because Jesus kept the law, we who are in Christ, guess what? We've kept the law, too. What's true of Jesus is true of us. Isn't that amazing? Aren't we glad of that? So why are we even studying? Well, a couple reasons why we're studying this Old Testament. is, is Number one is God, God's character is revealed in the Old Testament. As we read these pages, and we've already we've seen it already, haven't we? I mean, think about the Israelites. What did they do? They cried out to the Lord. And the Lord heard their cry, and he came to their aid. He's merciful, isn't he? And he pours out judgments upon the Egyptians. We see his justice. So we're seeing the character of God in the page of Scripture. And, and I liken it kind of like to my own household. I mean, everybody in their house, your house, you have rules. And some of you, maybe you're just married, or maybe your your you're children, just they're just infants now. But as they get older, you're going to have to husband and wife you're going to to come together you are going to to get on the same page like hey we're gonna have some rules in our household and and everybody has the the normal rules you know you have to obey you have to do what i tell you to do and in our household it was yes sir no sir yes ma'am no ma'am please and thank you but you know when the children disobey what do you have to do yeah you have to discipline and and people do that different ways and and it depends on the kid i've got some kids i can just and then that does it right now some kids that don't do it, right? So I have to tan the hide, right? I have to take the spoon or the belt or whatever and I have to give swats. Well, some things you disobey or you're disrespectful or whatever, you, you get one swat, two swats of the spoon. But in our household, I can't stand lying kids. So in our household, when you lie, guess what? You just whoop until you get tired. <laughs> you got to lay the wood down on children when they lie so what you could do by looking at Jenny in my household you could tell a lot about the parents by the rules that they enforce and how they discipline their children same is true of God we read his law and we see his character what he likes what he doesn't like so why do we study the Old, Old Testament because as we study the Old Testament, we understand God's character and who He is. The second reason we study the Old Covenant is because in the law we see our sin. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8 and 9. Paul writes, Now we know that the law is good, and it is good, if one uses it lawfully. Understanding this that the law is not laid down for the just but for the lawless and disobedient for the ungodly and sinners for the unholy and profane For those who strike their fathers and mothers for murderers Now an unlawful use of the law is is this is trying to keep the law in order to Attain or get salvation to make ourselves good enough That God will accept us. That's an unlawful use of the law. That's wrong. It can't be done That's not the purpose of the law. What does the law do? It shows us we're sinners. Paul calls it a tutor, a schoolmaster in Galatians chapter 3. Let's look at that text, Galatians 3, 23 through 26. Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. It's kind of what in line with what Phil was talking about. We're all slaves to sin, right? We're under the law. We can't obey it. We want to keep it, but we just can't. We keep messing up. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came. And sometimes it's called a tutor or schoolmaster in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we're no longer under a guardian, for in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. One of the purposes of the law is Paul, it shows us our sin. It points out that we're sinners in need of a Savior. The third reason we study the Old Testament is that it Old Testament foreshadows Jesus Christ. It points us to Jesus. John chapter 5, Jesus says this, speaking to the religious leaders, "...you search the Scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life." The old Testament scriptures they point us to Jesus I mean think about it think about the Old Covenant all that we know about the Old Covenant Morgan and is teaching our students the middle school and high school kids the story of the Bible and we've learned this right already but they're they're going back through it again there's some students that, that are new to our church and they haven't learned that yet and they're going through the the overview of the Bible the story of the Bible and what does this old covenant teach us about Jesus? Well, you think about it, Jesus is the, the, the seed of the woman who's going to crush the head of the serpent. You remember Genesis 3.15, where God's cursing the serpent? Jesus is the Passover lamb who takes away the sin of the world. He's the kinsman redeemer. He's the priest that's better than. Aaron. He's the mediator that's better than Moses. He's the once for all sacrifice that takes away our sin. He's the temple, not the temple in Jerusalem, but that temple in Jerusalem points us to our true temple. Revelation chapter 21 says, Jesus Christ. If you want to know Jesus, you must know the Old Testament. Last week we saw those case laws which applied the fifth and sixth commandment when somebody's hurt when injury occurs and someone is responsible there's compensation there's reparation it must be made right God is just and he wants his people to treat others rightly and so today we come to chapter 21 verses 33 and following and we're going to look at nine case laws they're, they're all applications of the not the 5th and 6th commandment, but today the 8th commandment. What's the 8th commandment? Do you remember? The 8th of the 10. Really? Remember? If you if you steal, what do they do in some countries? They cut off your hand, right? So don't steal. So what these, these case laws are, it's an application of the 8th commandment. So there's a couple points I'm going to make, but we're going to look at these 9 case laws. And what I would encourage you to do... Uh, it, it, it would be better for you if you took the Bible and you read through these with me. We're not going to read them again. Chase has already read them for us, but we're going to point those things out. I think it'll be helpful. If you if you don't have a Bible, there's a Black Pew Bible in front of you. It's page 74. I teach out, my Bible is the Black Pew Bible. That's what I use. Um, page 74. So turn there with me. It'll help you. And, and <clears throat> this is how I explain that better. Uh, when When my wife and I were overseas, my wife is really smart, and I'm not. And so we're learning a, another language. And so for me, in order to learn a language, I had to see it, hear it, feel it, taste it. I mean, I, would, I just had to, for two years of my life, I came home with a headache every day. No, no exaggeration. I had a headache trying to learn this language. Well, my wife, God made her differently. And she could just listen to the conversation and pick up on the language. Yeah, it was terrible. She didn't have to study. She stayed at home and took her to the kids. I spent eight, ten hours a day studying the language, uh, and I did that for several years. But I had to write it down and see it. So for you, it might be better if you're seeing it, not just me talking about it, but if you're seeing it, seeing the text, I think it's going to help you today. We're looking at these nine case laws, and there's a couple points I think we can learn from this text. Number one, these case laws teach us that those who break God's law have to submit to the demands of perfect justice. We begin to see that perfect justice last week as there's compensation and reparation being made and isn't it wonderful to me it's kind of refreshing last week you see these things happen as laws being broken and people are being injured and and hurt and and this that and other you know man it's kind of nice to see justice laid out in scripture you yeah, have somebody's hurt and you're at, you're the, the the reason for it, what do you do you compensate and you take care of that person wow justice isn't it isn't it beautiful it's wonderful well, let's look at these nine case laws. Look at verse 33 to 34. This is the loss of livestock due to negligence. Okay, Someone's dug a hole. They've dug a pit, whether it's a cistern or, or whatever. We're not sure. But what they didn't do is they didn't cover the hole up. And so what happened is something fell into it, an animal. right? An ox or a donkey falls into it. And you're going to see it's an agrarian society that we're, we're reading about here. right? Israel was an agrarian society. They were farmers and they had a lot of animals. And we're reading this about ox and donkeys and sheep and da da da. But remember the context here. This was their livelihood, this is how they fed their family. So when their ox that they have one of falls into a pit that their neighbor dug and didn't cover up, that's a pretty big deal yeah' the, the person has been negligent and so what's the right thing what's the right thing to do? Yeah, take care of it, right? What do you do? You, you pay you replace the animal you pay for the animal to be replaced. like I said this is our livelihood. pretty big deal. Yeah see God we see God being concerned about justice. He's, he's concerned about each person and 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 so should we, right? Let's look at verse 35 and 36. Again, li- loss of livestock. Here's a person's animal kills another. Now think about it. That just happens, doesn't it? I mean, they're animals for goodness sake. You never know what they're going to do. Well, I, my, my dog's never bit anybody before. Well, it's an animal. That's just what they do, right? Dog has puppies. You get between their food or beside their food. That's just what happens, unfortunately. You never know what an animal is going to do. But what, what happens when... An animal, your ox butts another and it dies. Well, what does the Lord say? They sell the ox and they split the money. And then the dead the dead ox, what do they do? They split it too. They can either eat it or sell it. But see, there's justice being served. Yeah, compensation taking place. I love it. I think it's great. Or look at verse 36. But it's known that the ox has been accustomed to gore in the past. Well, yeah, my, you know, my dog, it's only bitten three people so far. Yeah, you're being negligent, aren't you? Yeah, you're responsible for your dead gum animal. It's aggressive. It's already killed several animals. Guess what? You're going to have to pay compensation. You shall repay ox for ox, and the dead beast shall be his. Not only do you get to pay for my ox that died, but I'm going to get your dead ox too. And I get to sell it or eat it or whatever I want to do to it. Yeah, compensation. It's justice being served, isn't it? Isn't that wonderful? Look at verse 1 of chapter 22. We're just walking through these nine. That's the the second one. Now let's look at the third one. Talking about theft, somebody that steals something, right? If a thief is caught after having um, killed or sold your livestock, what must happen? They must make restitution. And notice it's five... To one for oxen. And then it's four for one for sheep. Now you think, man, that's a lot. Yeah. But think about it this is their livelihood, right? This is their livelihood. You'll see later on compensation is double. But for here, because it's ox and sheep, this is their livelihood. No, it's four to one, five to one ouch right not only is it justice but it's also a deterrent isn't it yeah look at verse 2 through 4 there's a thief it's like speaking about a thief that breaks in and it's nighttime someone breaks in a house it's at night and the homeowner kills the intruder well maybe the thief all the thief was going to do was steal something I mean, we don't know if they're going to hurt the family or not, but the homeowner doesn't know that either. What's a homeowner do? They assume the worst. You come in at night, you break into my house. I'm just assuming if you're crazy enough to come in my house in the middle of the night, you're crazy enough to hurt my family. And the intruder dies, there's no compensation. They lost their right to life when they came in your home, right? Yeah, for sure. But if it's during the day, notice what it says. But if it's during the day, the homeowner must not take his life. Yeah. Look at verse 4. If they steal something like a beast and it's found alive in the possession of the, the thief there's there to pay back in this in this case double look at verse 5 the next case there's negligence that uh, of animals that's grazed in your another one's field I guess the cattleman and farmer they've had this feud going on since the beginning of time my, my kids my, my two daughters Claire Beth and Anna Grace we watch a lot of westerns and when we were overseas we didn't watch TV that that's what we kind of they kind of cut their teeth on that and so we see that in these westerns although they don't like the black and white ones they can't get over that they, they're not used to the black and white no color thing and so if we pull it up on YouTube and it's black like nah let's not watch that one they just want it in color it could be a 1958 western with Audie Murphy or Randolph Scott and they're all about that but it just needs to be in color but you've seen this this thing the cattleman and the farmer right they're at odds they're always at war whether well, this was going on back then too What if someone's ox got into my garden or vineyard or pasture and it eats up my grass? Then what is to take place? Well, the one whose animals wavered has to forfeit their best. Restitution must take place there in verse 5. Or in verse 6, we see another case here. If fire breaks out and catches in thorns so that the stacked grain or the standing grain of the field is consumed, he who started the fire must make restitution. And what I think what's happening here, Mark, is you've got fields, and, and it's kind of like hedgerows, we see it here. And you don't see them as many now as you used to, but used to, all the fence rows, that's where we used to hunt growing up. We rabbit hunted on the fence rows that separated the fields. But now they just clear those all out. There's... You don't see those as often. But I think what's going on here, they're they're burning the fields. After the harvest, they're burning. And what happens? Oh, the fire gets away. And we understand how that can happen. Fire got away from me. But it burns this other guy's field or his vineyard or his crops. Then what what should happen? Yeah, justice should be served. You should make restitution. Pay for the guy's crops, whatever it is. Verse 7 through 9. Back in in these days, there weren't banks, financial institutions that would take your money and keep it for you. There's no safety deposit boxes. And so you would go out of town, what would you do? You would take the money or silver, gold, whatever, and you would give it to a, a neighbor to take care of while you were gone. You didn't want to leave it at your home with no one there. But what if they come back and the money's gone? Well, it says here in verse 7 through 9, look at that. If the thief is not found, the owner of the house shall come near to God to show whether or not he has put his hand to his neighbor's property. I mean, sometimes things happen and the crime's not solved. Who stole your whatever? I don't know. No no one knows. The Lord knows, but no one knows. What's to take place? Well, the one who was taking care, supposedly taking care of the money, they would just come near to God. Most likely means they go to the tabernacle and they meet with the elders, the judges, right? And they decide. They decide the case. They help determine whether this guy is guilty or not. Yeah, it was just stolen. We don't know who it was. It was somebody came and they stole it. Verse 9, if the owner sees his property in the hands of another, this case will be brought before the elders at the tabernacle. And and they they would... decide look at verse 10 through 13 what if someone borrows an animal and that animal dies if it dies and is injured or is driven away without anyone seeing it look at verse 11 and an oath by the Lord shall be between them both to see whether or not he has put his hand to his neighbor's property the owner shall accept the oath and he shall not make restitution. We're going to come back to that in just a moment. Again, the, the case is brought before the elders. The one who had possession of the animal would take an oath before the Lord. I'm going to explain that in just a second. Look at verse 14 and 15. Borrowing from a neighbor. This is why I don't borrow anything. And some of you, I'm looking at I'm seeing some faces, stories. I have seen y'all, y'all borrowed stuff. You borrow something, what happens? It tears up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was going to break anyway, right? But no, you borrowed it and it breaks and tears up. What do you do? Buy them a new one or you get it fixed? Like, why did I do that? Yeah, you just got to stop stop borrowing stuff, right? But if the borrowed animal dies, verse fourteen, and fifteen, then the borrower must pay for the animal, right? But what if the owner's there and the owner's there and they say, "Hey, nothing happened. That thing just dropped dead." The, they didn't do anything wrong. The, the animal just dies. Then what does the scripture say? What does it say? It says the um, the owner, if he's leasing the animal, he's hired out the animal, that was part of the deal, right? Yeah, I'm hiring out my animal. My animal, something could happen. The ox is pulling the plow. It could get hurt. If there's no negligence on the on the the lender's part, then I just that's just part of the deal, right? When I hire out an animal, that's that's the pay is is supposed to take care of loss. Yeah. So each of these laws provides this protection of property, right? It's extension of the eighth commandment: "Do not steal." God, He expects us. He's speaking, of course, to Israel. He expects them to take full responsibility for our actions, whether they intend for damage to be done or not. They still need to be responsible and, and just and these are just examples right just scenarios what if this happens how do, should we respond these are just examples of what could arise but what does these laws do it teaches Israel how to how to live in community with one another how to live justly how to treat your neighbor it helped them settle disputes and help them know, about compensation that needs to take place. And it also deters criminals. Phil and he says, through the irony of God's justice, they would lose exactly what they hoped to gain. If it's somebody trying to steal something, take advantage of their neighbor, rather than being enriched, they would become impoverished. This kind of restitution, right? Having to give four times the amount or five times the amount or double, <coughs> it satisfied the victim. Not only did he get his property back, but he got double or sometimes four and five times for his triumph and his trouble. And these are, these are just civil laws given to the nation of Israel. And f- for, for us as Christians we're not bound by these laws, are we? But I think there's things to think about, things we can learn about how we should treat one another. It's interesting here, you don't see anything about incarceration, do you? And why is that? Partly maybe because they, it's a, it's a they're mobile right they're nomadic they're not yet in the promised land, but partly I think too is just you steal somebody's stuff you get caught you get put in jail for five years in five years time you get out you've served your time but yet what about the victim they're never compensated doesn't seem like justice does it yeah. The second thing we learn from this text is that we're all accountable to God. And this is, I told you we're going to come back to verse 11. Look at verse 11 again. Again, someone is giving their animal or money to a neighbor to keep while they're gone. And while they're gone, something happens to it. And no one knows what happened. The victim, they don't know what happened. The, The one who had... Had the, the animal or the money, they're saying it got stolen. And so there's an unsolved crime here. who took it? The neighbor who's supposed to be watching it, or someone else. Look at verse 11. It says, "If that happens, then they come an oath by the, they come to the sanctuary, an oath by the Lord shall be between them both to see whether or not he has put his hand to his neighbor's property. You think, well, what's this all about? It's kind of fuzzy. I mean, there's no way to know if someone's telling the truth or not. So what do they do? They come before the Lord and the elders and they make an oath. Now, what I want you to do is pay attention. That word Lord in, your, in the Bible, it's in all caps. Remember there's different names for the Lord? Well, this is the, the special covenant name. Yahweh, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, Lord. Now, what's he doing? He's making an oath to the Lord, to Yahweh. You think, well, people lie all the time. They lie under oath, don't they? They lie just, just as easy as they breathe, right? But in this context, I think things that's particularly interesting is the covenant name is used, Lord. And notice what happens to the owner. If this other person who they had your possessions, maybe your ops or your, your money, and you go out of town and you come back and it's gone, and they've made an oath to the Lord, what are you supposed to do? Look at verse eleven. The owner shall accept the oath, and he shall not make restitution. What that tells me is this isn't just a someone giving their word. This is a pretty big deal because if someone makes an oath by the Lord Yahweh, you have to say yeah, okay, he's telling the truth. Why? Because that's a that was a heavy thing. It was one of those deals where they make an oath. You kind of back up, right? Because if you're lying, what what are you going to do? You're going to have, you're going to be at enmity with Yahweh, with God. And you don't want to be at enmity with God. David Strain, he writes, The oath... This oath that was taken was considered then to be so absolute and the invocation of the divine name so solemn that an oath like this was to be accepted immediately as proof of innocence. Like it wasn't just giving your word, it was a pretty big deal. Pretty big deal. I think this pledge of honesty reminds us that everything we do is before the Lord. It may appear we're getting away with something. But what we do in secret, the Lord knows. And all things will be brought before the Lord's searching judgment. We live in quorum Deo. It's a Latin phrase. It means before the face of God. Before the gaze of God. Nothing we do is hidden. He's omniscient. He sees all. He didn't just see the action. He sees the motive behind the action. What if the culprit isn't called? You think God is... You think the God, the creator of the universe is going to be hoodwinked, is going to be deceived? You think God's going to let that thing go? Mm-mm. God is a God of mercy, but God is also a God of justice, isn't He? And all things will be made right one day. Third thing we see in this text is that lawbreakers need a heart change. These case laws, they're all applications of this specific commandment not to steal. The Eighth Commandment, don't steal. It's just application of that. And there's examples given where there's reparation, there's compensation to be given. and Sometimes it's pretty, pretty heavy. That would be deterrence from stealing, right? From mistreating your neighbor, taking advantage of your neighbor. But, but I think ultimate the ultimate solution to deal with a thief or someone who has a, a heart, a thief's heart, is to have his heart changed by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Think about it. theft, like all outward sin, is indicative of a bigger problem, a heart problem, right? And what's the solution to all heart problems is Jesus. Jesus says this, out of the heart comes evil thoughts and thefts, Matthew 15, 19. So the ultimate solution for someone taking advantage of their neighbor is to pursue grace in Christ. So by way of application, I guess the big question is, have you trusted Christ? Have you repented and believed? Have you turned from your sin, and have you trusted the work that Christ did on the cross? See, what happens for us sinners, this is the purpose of the law, we're, we're, we don't live under the new covenant, we're not Israel. We're the, now we live under the new covenant. Jesus has died. He died a cruel death and he rose from the dead so that we could be forgiven. He bore the sin of many right, to bring us to God. He died, he was buried on the third day he rose from the grave the Bible says so we could be justified we could be made right with God. The Bible says and and if you could summarize Jesus' teaching in three words it would be repent and believe. Turn from your life of sin and live in your life for yourself and trust that the work Christ did on the cross, the, the work that Jesus did by rising from the dead is, was for you. Maybe another question to, to ask is, has, has your life been wrecked by the law of God? See, for us that are believers here, if we're all for those of us who have a testimony, for those of us who are Christians, say, hey, I'm following Jesus, I love Jesus. At one point in time, your life was wrecked by God, by the law. See, that's the purpose of the law, right? To show us our sin. It's a, it's a schoolmaster. It's a tutor. To drive us to Jesus. So for, if you're a believer, your life has been wrecked by the law of God. And maybe the question today is, has your life been wrecked by the law? I mean, we share the gospel. What do we say oftentimes? We just did evangelism training on Wednesday nights. And what do we do, Chase? We ask the person, have you ever... Take anything that's not yours? Have you ever taken the Lord's name in vain? Have you ever said things that weren't true? And what are you doing? You're letting them see their sin. You're letting them see their life and how it stacks up against the high, perfect standard of God. And we all fall short. Has your life been wrecked by the law? of God have you ever in your life seen your sin and wept and been broken over your sin if not today you need to recognize your sinfulness and your rebellion against the Lord and the Bible explains it this way he says you're at enmity with God and what that means is you're like this in God's face you're like no I'm not a pretty good fellow I don't really do that if you're not submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, you're not following Jesus. Yeah. That's where you're living your life. You're saying, not your way, but mine. And, and the Bible says he wants, God wants you to repent and turn from living that life to a surrendered, yielded life to the Lord. So by way of application, I guess first application point is have you repented and trusted Christ? Has your life been wrecked by the law? If not, you need to repent and believe and trust Jesus. Secondly, and this is for us Christians in the room, are we living justly in light of God's word? As we've seen this text, it, we don't live under the law. We don't have to live like this to the teeth. But what do we learn from this text? We need to treat people rightly. We need to live just lives. God wants us to. That's his will for us as we treat people Rightly. Have you borrowed something that you haven't returned? Blake, I got two books I gotta get back to you, by the way. <laughs> They're on my desk. I'm trying, brother. You borrowed anything? You're like, eh, ain't no big deal. He probably don't want it back anyway. Well, if it's his, he wants it back. You use something that tore up and you said, ah. it be like, I ain't no big deal. Yeah, that's not we gotta live rightly. Micah six, seven through nine, is and he's addressing these people that are going through the motions with, with sacrifices. Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousand of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O oh man, what is good, and this is what God desires. He desires What does the Lord require of you? But to do justice, to be just, to treat people rightly. That's what we're talking about here. To love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. So believers, are we are we living rightly? And sometimes it means you're taking a loss or Yeah, to make things right, you know. You borrow something. You tear it up, you replace it, or you fix it, right? Are you being just in how you treat one another? And last last point, by way of application, what if what if the culprit's not caught? What if something's taken from you, and and or there's a situation, and you're not real sure if they're telling the truth? It's just not resolved. And you you feel like in your, you feel like justice hadn't been served. This situation hadn't been resolved. If that's happened, and it if it hadn't happened, it will in life. Because life's messy like that. Just remember as believers, we can trust that God is a God of justice and He'll make everything right. He's not naive. He's not going to be misled. Yahweh, the creator of the world, knows all things and He sees all things. And He will judge all according to what we've done in this life. We live quorum Deo. We live before God's face. He sees all. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, Paul writes this to the Corinthians we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. How can Christ sit on the judgment seat? How can he be just? He sees all. Nothing's hidden. And one day all things will be made right. Amen. And if you're a believer, oh boy, it gives us great comfort to know that all the things we've done wrong and all the things we will be done wrong have been dealt with by Christ. And we don't have to keep the law, we don't have to try, 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 try. Because Jesus kept it for us. So what do we do? We just trust Christ. And we we try to please the Lord in light of our salvation. Because of what Christ done for us, we. We want to obey and please the Lord. But if you're not in Christ, I want to encourage you once again. One day you'll stand before the Lord and everything will be made to come to light. All your motives, all your misdeeds, all the selfish things you've done, all the lies, the cheating, it'll all be exposed. And God will pour out His wrath on you for all eternity for those sins. But the great the great news, the good news is that you can be free from that debt of sin and the guilt. And you can escape that wrath that you deserve by trusting in what Christ has done for you on the cross. Amen. I'd love to talk to you about that. If you've got questions about that, you're not sure if you know the Lord or not, I'd love to talk to you about that. I'll be the last one to leave. You can always get a hold of my numbers
0: in the worship guide as well. Thank you for tuning in to our Sunday morning services at Beaver Baptist Church. We are currently studying the book of Exodus. If you have any questions about today's message or would like more information about our church, call us at 901-837-2904. You can also visit our website at beaverbaptist.com.